referring to Nigla Halacha, and the soul of Tira referring to the deeper spiritual and and uh, mystical ideas that underlies uh, these halachas. And the Rebbe shows there's many examples for that, showing that one without the other is sometimes almost impossible to understand. In Sukkot we have a perfect example for that. We have two mitzvahs on Sukkot, sitting in a Sukkot for seven days and shaking the lulav on the first day, Minatera, and other days, Midrabanam. In both cases, we have specific nuances in the text of the Torah telling us that the lulav has to be yours. You cannot steal a lulav and you cannot borrow a lulav on the first day. It has to be legally yours. Which means that if you go to Mifzayim on the first day of Sukkot, you have to tell the person to actually have in mind to legally acquire, legally acquire title of ownership uh, of the Lulav and Esik for the time that they do the mitzvah. With Sukkah we see a similar thing, but not quite the same. A Sukkah has to be, Chag HaSukkah starts Lacha, by Lulav it says Lachem, Lakachtem Lachem, and here also it says Chag HaSukkah starts Lacha, should make for yourself. Lacha Chazal learned that the word men is meant to indicate that the Sukkah must be owned. That means if you steal schach from somebody else's yard and you make yourself a sukkah, you're not yet to the mitzvah. Yet by sukkahs, there's an exception made for a borrowed sukkah. In other words, you can be a guest in somebody's house. You don't have to be kind of buy part of the sukkah, right? Like some people do for lighting Shabbos candles when you come to somebody's home. You give the balabast a little coin so you have a share in the candles. Here by sukkahs, you don't need to own the sukkah. The only thing that the Torah objects to that you shouldn't steal it. Now the same word that's used by lulav is used by sukkah, but um, and and yet the, the, by lulav it says lachem yours in a plural, and by sukkah it says lacha in a singular, which makes it even more exclusively yours. And yet when it comes to lulav, the word lachem is interpreted in the most exclusive way, it has to be yours literally, not even. Uh, being given the permission to use it, like a borrowed lulav, is also not uh, not included in the word lacha. It's not yours yet. But sukkah, we say, no. Uh, lacha is only to exclude a stolen sukkah. So the Alter Rebbe adds one word in Shulchan Aruch when he cites this halacha. And he says that by sukkah, when you are borrowing somebody's sukkah, or you is somebody's guest, Right, you're given permission to use the sukkah. It's like yours because borrowing something, giving permission to, to use a, a piece of property, um, is also in some ways giving you some ownership, not full ownership. You don't own the actual object, but you are given permission to use it. So in that sense, it's somewhat yours. So that's why it satisfies the word lecha by sukkah. Now, why is it by sukkah we are willing to interpret lacha more liberally, in a more liberal way, saying that it doesn't have to be exclusively yours completely, even a more looser definition of yours is sufficient. By lulav we say, no, 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 their lachem has to be interpreted in the most rigid and the most rigorous way. It is yours literally. You have to own the lulav and the esek. Borrowed is not enough. Borrowed is not called yours. 
Now we have the same word in two mitzvahs. In one case, we interpret it in a more looser and liberal way, and in another case, we ex- we interpret it in the most literal and the most narrow sense possible. Now in the Gemara, when you look in the Gemara to explain why, what's the reason for this difference between these two mitzvahs, the Gemara says <coughs> that by... Well, by Lulav, it says, Lakach Lachem, it has to be yours. And yours means yours. Okay, there's no playing around. Uh, borrowing is not yours. But by Sukkah, we have two contradictory Psukim. One Pasuk says, Chaka Sukkah, Tasa Lecho, that the Sukkah has to be yours. But we find a, a Pasuk by Sukkah that seems to go against this literal understanding that a Sukkah should be completely yours. Where do we find a contradictory Pasuk? Because it says, Kola Ezrach bi Yisrael, all citizens of Israel, Yeshu by Sukkot, can sit in the Sukkot. Now, <coughs> all citizens of Israel sit in the Sukkot, Chazal have a tradition that this Pasuk is alluding to us that optimally speaking, all Jews, if all Jews could use the same Sukkot, that would be a, a great way of doing the Mitzvah Sukkot, a great way of fulfilling the vision behind the mitzvah of sukkah. The vision behind the mitzvah of sukkah is to unite all Jews. So if all Jews could literally, physically use the same sukkah, that would be a great way. The question is, to have all Klali sold, the entire Jewish nation, sit in the one sukkah, of course, not at the same time, so maybe you'll have to go shifts. You'll build a large, huge, huge sukkah, and then you know, have groups of people going through the same night, first night of sukkah, to fulfill the mitzvah. Let's see if that's possible. But if the Torah says that the sukkah has to be yours, so let's say the Torah literally means that the sukkah must be yours. You have to own it. That means that the whole of Klal Yisrael would have to own that sukkah. Right? Otherwise, uh, how could the Torah say that all of Klal Yisrael could possibly uh, sit in the same sukkah and fulfill the mitzvah? So how would all of them own a piece of the sukkah? by basically giving everybody a share. But if you give everybody a share, we're talking about millions of people having a share in the same sukkah, how much value of ownership, how much stake in the sukkah would each individual Jew have? The amount would be so minimal, it would be less what's called a shava pruta. In Allah, it means the most minimal currency in the time of the Gemara, which means that's less than that is so negligible that it's not even called money. It's not even called ownership, value. It doesn't have any economic uh, place in, 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 in the language of economics. So the question is, how can all of the Jewish nation fulfill the midst of sukkah with one sukkah if they would have to own it literally, right? And that's impossible because they would own so little that it wouldn't be considered ownership. From here, Chazal learned that in, in the context of sukkah, when the Torah says the sukkah, chagat sukkah, has to be yours, it couldn't mean that it has to be literally yours in the most narrow sense of the word. It, we must interpret it in a more looser and a more liberal way. It means stealing, outright theft, you know, taking something away from somebody else aggressively against their will. That's not Yetzir the Mitzvah. But if you are given permission, it's a borrowed, that's a more looser way of saying it's still yours because you can use it. That's what the Torah is not excluding. So that's 
how the Gemara explains. So we make a compromise between two psukim that seem to go against each other. So we have a compromise to, to reconcile between them. So <clears throat> basically, the word lacho should really have meant literally yours. But because we have no choice, we have another pasuk. So we have to reinterpret the word lacho here in a, in a more liberal way. So, but that's, again, it doesn't really sit well, because ultimately the Torah is using a word that in and of itself would have been, would have meant that you need to own the sukkah. And just because there's another pasuk, we have, we are forced, so to speak, to reinterpret the word lacham. Says the Rebbe, no, when you learn what Chassidus says about the meaning of sukkah and lulav, it all becomes so clear, so beautifully clear. And we see how the chassidus behind all these mitzvahs and halachas illuminate in a whole new, fresh way our understanding of Torah, even of nigla the Torah. It says chassidus that both mitzvahs are here to celebrate the unity we accomplish Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Right, as we mentioned in the previous post, Rosh Hashanah is a beginning of the emergence of that uh, essential. Uh, quintessential uh, bond of the Neshama and Hashem, which unites all Jews together, and it comes to a climactic experience on Yom Kippur by Neila, when all Jews are united. And now on Sukkot we celebrate this unity in two different ways, Sukkot and Lulav. Both represent unity. So why do we need two mitzvahs? Why not one mitzvah? So it says that unity comes in two forms. There's two types of unity. There's a complementary unity, and there is a completely integrated unity, a unity where all of us are enmeshed into one whole. The difference between the two is that as neshamas, our neshamas emerge from a very sublime and lofty place in the heavenly realms, um, all the way to the essence of God himself. And the way Nishamas are in their source, of course, they're all one thing. They're inseparable. They're, they're, not, they're indistinguishable from each other. Because we're all enmeshed into this one divine, pure divine source. But then as Nishamas are being separated from each other, each one going into a separate body down here in this lowly place, we're here to exercise a whole different level of unity. Because Hashem gives each one of us a different mission and supplies us with different tools and gives us the power to excel in different areas so that we can each fulfill our mission. So some people are blessed with a certain level of intelligence so they can be Chachomim and Rosh Hashivas and Rabbonim and so are, some are equipped with intelligence for business so they can make a lot of money and they can uh, give support institutions. Some are given... Uh, good hands, handy the handy tools, and they can build beautiful sukkahs and build beautiful homes for Jewish people. Everybody has their mission. So we're very different. There's a clearly uh, a sense of diversity that Hashem wished that to take place amongst Nishamas. But that's only Nishamas as they're down here in Elam Haza. So where, how do we exercise unity in a world which is marked so sharply with with, with diversity. And it says that the way we do this is not through the type of unity that we experience in a transcendent world where our neshamas emerge and originate from, but this is a kind of unity where we see how each 
each one of us uh, uh, complements the other. In other words, we all are, despite the diversity of our missions and directions in life, we all are building towards the same goal. We're all here to make a dira betachtenim. It's just that each one of us is needed for a different part. So in other words, we complement each other. Dafka through our differences. Our differences don't divide us, but they're here um, to bring us together in a complementary form. And he says, this is the difference between lulav and sukkah. Sukkah is getting all Jews into one sukkah. You have one roof covering all of them. You can't tell one from another. We're indistinguishable from each other. That celebrates the lofty, transcendent unity, the way Nishamas emerge from the highest source. But then we need to translate the unity in a ulam haza tachten, a place which is marked with diversity and multiplicity, and and it, it's there's a lot. It, it's as it says, rishus arabim. It's a place of multiple things, each one divided by others, in order to influence and change a world that that maybe um, by nature imbued with this very strong sense of diversity and, and separateness, each one being so distinctive from each other, being so far removed from the oneness of Hashem. How do we bring such a world together and make a dira betachtenim, bring Hashem's presence revealed in the world? This is by creating a sense of complementary unity in the world. So Hashem gave each one of us different tools and assigned us with a different uh, um, task in the world and imbuing in the world of diversity a sense of oneness of Hashem. That echod, the oneness of Hashem should be manifest even in a world which remains um, diversified. But the diversity is not a contradiction to Hashem's oneness. On the contrary, it complements it. Lulav and Esrik are different parts. Each one represents a different part of the Jewish people. The Esrik is the Chacham. You know, all the different four species of the four different types of Jews. Very different from each other. But we bring them together to show this couple. This is celebrating the unity that we, have, we are privileged to implement here on earth. But the Sukkah represents the root of that unity. How that unity is, is um, experienced on a level of our neshamas, the way our neshamas come from their sheirish. So he says, this is why in the context of sukkah, a borrowed sukkah is still yours. Why is the word lacha in the context of sukkah um, seen as incorporating a borrowed sukkah as well? Why do we so loosely interpret the word lacha in the context of sukkah only? The answer is, because in the context of sukkah, we're not separate things. We're all one thing. Sukkah celebrates this transcendent oneness, we're totally indistinguishable from each other. So your sukkah, my sukkah, it's all the same. When you steal a sukkah, it's different because then you aggressively separate yourself from that unity. You, you act against somebody. That's different. But as long as it's done peacefully, we're not separate entities in that context. But when it comes to the context of Lulav and Esrik, where we're so different from each other, yet we come together despite of the diversity, bringing a oneness in a world of diversity where there is complementation between one, one entity and another, their lachem is interp- is, is in, in, includes only that something that is literally yours, something which is not 
legally yours is not considered lachem because we are different from each other. Lulav celebrates the diversity amongst us, clearly emphasizing that the diversity exists and the diversity is important and the the difference between each one is 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 highlighted in that mitzvah. But nevertheless, we try to bring us all together and celebrate the oneness of Hashem here in this diverse world. It's a beautiful way of seeing how Niglech Sidis come together in such a beautiful unit of, of understanding. And, um, and from this we can learn for all other places. There are many, many other examples. Maybe someday we'll share some of those beautiful uh, ways of seeing how the tear is really one.